Good evening and praise the Lord, everyone. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to be joining you this evening. Amen. God has uh, truly been good to us. He has blessed us to see the middle of another week, but God is still faithful even in the midst of everything that we're going through. God is faithful. He is true to his word and he just has a way of doing things that causes you to fall in love with him, the way he handles things and just does things. I want to first uh, just give honor uh, to my pastors, Bishop and Lady James F. Harris, you know, just for their faithfulness to God. They're being an example before me and living a life that I could see clearly as an example. It has made all the difference in my life. I am grateful and uh, I take a moment to honor them and to say thank you. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to share in your word. And Father, I pray that you would let your anointing rest heavily. Let the anointing that makes teaching and preaching easy, most importantly, God, let it be the labor of love that will speak a word of life to those that sit in darkness, to those that need encouragement. Let your word meet the need as only it can and as only you can meet the need. So, Father, we pray now that your word will fall on good ground, that it may grow and we may grow thereby. Bless now for your namesake and for your glory. We give you all praise, all honor and glory belong to you and to you only. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God is indeed uh, faithful. We're going to pick up with part two with the topic, On Your Mark, Get Set, Go, or the abbreviated Ready, Set, Go. We talked about, when I start with a question on tonight, are you ready? We ask ourselves, what does it mean to be ready? And what are we ready for? What are we getting ready for? Uh, tonight, we are continuing, and it will be part two. Ready, set, go. Typically, typically, when you, you ask yourself, are you ready? Or it is usually when you're about to encounter an obstacle, take on a task or a challenge that may test the sum of your experiences or bring to the test or bring to the top all of the experiences, the training and everything that you've had or have experienced up to that moment in time. It all comes down to this very moment. Some examples would be standing on the stage of an auditorium filled to capacity and you are actually waiting for the curtain to go up. Or it could be standing in front of cameras on a set waiting for the director's cue and to hear those words, lights, camera, action. Or one that a lot can, a lot of people may be able to relate to sitting in the waiting area to be called back for an interview to sit before a panel to interview for this specific job that you believe to be the opportunity of your lifetime. 
you are now, this is now you're faced and you're at the pinnacle, the high point, the peak, the zenith, the apex of all of your experiences has brought you to this one defining moment. Within that moment, you close your eyes, you take a deep breath, and you ask yourself, nobody else around, am I ready? Am I ready? Think about that just for a moment. Am I ready? We spend a lot of time trying to get ready. We utilize a lot of resources. We, we, we do things that we think made others ready. And we feel that maybe if I do the same, then it'll make me ready. We are now standing at a defining moment. The, the word moment, uh, I must pause for just a moment myself and say how much I was encouraged by the word on Sunday from one of our very own minister, uh, Randall Goodine, saying, don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. God has orchestrated things in your life, and it is so imperative that our timing be right. But we're going to get into that. Um, and then for the word that the Lord spoke through our pastor and and in the person of Bishop James F. Harrison told us, God said that I'm going to reveal everyone for who they are. Do you know who you are? God is doing great things in the midst and he's doing awesome things in the midst of his people. Uh, I ask you, uh, are you ready? The scripture said that when you think about, uh, if you imagine everybody sitting at a race or preparing for a race, um, the master of the race will say on your mark. Uh, the scripture that comes to mind is found in the book of Psalms and it says, mark the perfect man and behold the upright for the end of that man is peace. We look at when we think about another mark, we might even think about the scripture that says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, think about this. We've all we've all been to the scripture is also the one that we're going to consider in addition to the others tonight is found in the book of first Corinthians, first Corinthians, chapter nine, verse 24. And we're going to read that in the message translation. And it reads on this wise. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running for the finish line. That's what the word is saying. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it and then missing out myself. Imagine, if you will, people lined up for a race. Here we are. This will be the defining moment. Tonight, we pick up with our text found in the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to pull some points out tonight that's going to help us in knowing what it means to be ready. 
In the book of First Samuel, chapter 17, and we'll start at the uh, 20th verse, uh, and it said, and David, and we know we, we introduced David in talking about his battle with Goliath. It is the most, probably one of the most noted battles in the Bible, and it talks about David facing Goliath. It is so popular that even in our modern time, they would actually say, David, when there's somebody that's facing insurmountable or what seems to be insurmountable odds, they would say it's a David and Goliath battle, a David and Goliath race. So here we are. Um, we're looking at verse 20. And we know the story, the backdrop, and we'll bring things current from last week. The backdrop is that David, David was given instruction by his father. Now, his three eldest brothers, David is in a family of eight brothers, that is. He is the eighth brother, and all of the other brothers, at least three eldest ones, they've gone off to battle, and David is left at home tending the sheep. The scripture that comes to mind, it says, don't despise small beginnings. Some of the things that we receive our training in that prepares us for opportunities or prepares us to take up the mantle and prepares us to take on more responsibility. Uh, some of the things that starts us may not be spectacular. It may not even be exciting. It may seem to be dull and boring, but it is preparing you for an opportunity. David, we know, uh, was a keeper of his father's sheep. So David is told after his brothers goes off to battle, David is told by his father, his father Jesse calls him in and he said, David, I want you to go down to the battle and I want you to take these this food and take these articles to your brother and then tell me how they're doing. I want you to give me a report when you come back. So David gets up early in the morning. Verse 20 says, and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. Now I want to bring out a point here. When you begin a work for the Lord or when you begin saying, I'm ready to do something for God, you have to prepare yourself. You have to prepare in that. David, look at what the scripture says. It said he rose up early in the morning. Now it is imperative. The timing of an opportunity can either be the making or the breaking of it. Um, when you begin to work for the Lord, you have to be willing to go. You have to be willing to show up and show up at the right time for the opportunity. Now, punctuality is important, and that's something that many of us share trying to get that right. But it is still an effort that you have to be diligent in. God has a timing. He orchestrates things in such a magnificent way that if we would just yield and listen to him, he will get us to where we need to be right in time, right on time. So David gets up, he uh, leaves his sheep, 
the next thing he says that David, when, when, when you're going through training, another thing too is if you look at the sheep that David left, it, he didn't just up and run and leave the sheep. The scripture says that he left the sheep with the keeper. Now, when you're getting ready to, when God is getting ready to transition you into something new or transition you into something of more responsibility, you have to be faithful with what God has entrusted to you. Don't be negligent. Don't be irresponsible in your service to God uh, just so you can or to those that sit in authority, just so that you can get to what you might think is more exciting. Don't drop or forsake what's been assigned to you simply to take on something else. You have to be faithful. So I think the scripture tells us here specifically that for emphasis that David left the sheep with the keeper. He was responsible with that which God had entrusted him with. Uh, or his father had entrusted him with. And David learned some things, and we know we're going to get into that, but David learned some things, but he was not irresponsible in handling that which had been entrusted to him. The next part of that verse says, he took and went as Jesse had commanded him. Okay. We know that we have been taught and we have been instructed to learn to follow instructions. Some, you know, it's like it's a thing with sometimes with men, we tend to like if we're going to put something together or construct something. You know, everything that you have to assemble comes with instructions. Uh, but, you know, it, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the way we're wired. You have to sometimes we'll say, well, I've done it before. I've done. So I don't necessarily have to read the instructions. Instructions are given for a reason uh, and it can save you a whole lot of time. Because sometimes what we think or how we think something may go, it may not turn out that way. So I would encourage you, follow instruction that says, David took and went and did as Jesse commanded him. Uh, so I would encourage you, don't be disobedient or resistant to instructions. Uh, and don't develop the wrong attitude like, I'm grown. Can't nobody tell me what to do. I put my pants on the same way they do. Who do they think they are? Now, somebody said, I would never, you might not ever say the words, at least not so anybody can hear you, but you have to be God. If God cannot give you instructions and expect you to follow them, then how can something of greater value be entrusted to us? So we have to be uh, willing to follow instructions. And, and no one says the instruction is going to be easy. The instruction that God gives you may challenge you. Most of the time instruction does challenge you, but it's given to you so that it can either pull something out of you, make you aware of something. Maybe it makes you aware of a character flaw. It might, uh, something that you may not even be aware of, but by following the instructions, you tend, it tends to come to the surface so that you can deal with it. Uh, it can test you. Instructions can test the very character and it will let you know what kind of person you are, whether you have or lack character. So I would encourage you when, when God begins to deal with you and God begins to give you instruction, even, you know, sometimes if, if the instruction sounds like it makes sense, we are more inclined to follow it. We're more inclined to listen. 
But what happens when God gives you instructions like um, he did Abraham, go to a place that I will show you. Take your son, your only son, the son that you waited for so long to get. Take that son and offer him up to me. It's like, what, 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 what God, what are you, what are you thinking? What, 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 you know, and we will, we wouldn't dare become so audacious where we would ask God that question, but not at least so anyone hears us. But within ourselves, we wrestle and we will say, God, what? I, I don't understand. I don't understand. But there is indeed a blessing in following instruction. There's a blessing in following instruction. And our bishop always says, if there is no instruction, then there will be no blessing. So listen for instruction. God will always give instruction. He does not just come off fly from the hip. God is, that's not, he plans things meticulously. He can move one thing and it impacts so many people's life in a way that causes each one of them to reach the point that he needs them to get to just from following one instruction. So follow instruction, follow instruction. So we continue on and David now is, uh, he's left home. He's left the sheep that which he was responsible for. He's left that with the keeper and he goes to follow the instructions and verse 22 of that 17th chapter says, and David left his carriage in the hand of a keeper of the carriage. Here we go again. He has now moved along. Sometimes we will progress. God will bless us to progress in some things. And we tend to think, well, that's no longer significant. So eh, it don't really matter. I tell you, just because God prospers you or takes you from or you make some headway or you make some progress don't negate those things that got you to that point don't negate it so it says and david left his courage in the hand of the keeper and ran into the army and came and saluted his brother so david is now on the battlefield he is now in the battle area if you will um and so David begins to kind of gather information. You know, his father told him specifically to find out how his brothers were doing. Uh, but David decides, well, you know, I'm going to ask around since I'm here. Let me go ahead and ask around and see what's going on. And so David begins to talk with them. And because of the time that he arrived, we'll find out in scripture because David left at the appropriate time. He arrived at the right time. And when he gets to the battle and he's talking to those after he speaks to his brothers and tell them and, you know, provides them with what he was sent to do, he's talking to them and here comes Goliath. Goliath walks out and the verse, verse 23 says, and as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the uh, Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. Now, David hears the same words that everybody else hears, but the people, those that were there, the those that were supposedly trained to fight, had this wasn't the first time that Goliath had challenged Israel. And if you look in the scripture, it says that he actually did this for 40 days. He came out each day and challenged Israel to a fight. 
Now they were already set in array in battle array. So there, there were Israel on one side and there was Goliath and the Philistines on the other. So he comes out and he taunts Israel again, as he did the last 39 days or so. And he taunts them, send me out a man that can fight. Give me your, send me your greatest warrior so we can, we can do battle. So Goliath continues to taunt Israel, but the difference is now David hears the words. He now hears that taunt and that doesn't set well with David. Now, all of those that were trained to fight, the scripture says David heard them. He heard the words and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, now when they saw, now I I can't, you can't fault them. The the, uh, scripture describes Goliath. If you look at it, he was close to nine, maybe some say nine to 10 feet tall. Now, you know, in our day and age, we probably have seen, uh, it be kind of hard to imagine, but when we see someone that's six nine, six, you know, six nine, seven feet, seven two, can you imagine someone that's almost nine feet tall? And now he's not only just big, but he's he has armor on. So of course, when all the men of Israel see this, they are not just afraid. The scripture said they are so afraid. Now, with all of this going on, you would think that everybody would be focused on who's going to take Goliath out, who is going to be the one. And it's, and it's so much conversation going on. Um, there's, there's a little uh, chit chat going on among the people. And they say, well, what's going to happen to the man that takes, <clears throat> excuse me, to the man that takes Goliath out? What, what will be the reward? What, what's, what's going to be done? But prior to that happening, Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard when he was asking questions about what's going to happen to the man that kills Goliath. So he gets upset and the scripture says that his anger is kindled against David. So he goes to David and he says, why why are you even here, David? What's going on? And he says, with who did you leave? Now, he says something to demean David. He not only, you know, not only says, you know, who did you leave the sheep with? He says, who did you leave those few sheep with? He says, I know your pride. I know your naughtiness of your heart that you have come down, that you might see the battle. Sometimes when you are preparing to step into what God has for you to do, you may not look like the most likely candidate. You might not eat, you might have been overlooked just like David when, when the prophet came to anoint the king of Israel, the new king. David was left outside. His father didn't even call him in. But now look, now we're talking about after David has been anointed. But when you are still anointed, there's still, there's a time for everything. God's timing is perfect. He has, he is meticulous in the way he plans things. So I submit to you that even when you know, even when you get clarification on what it is that God wants you to do, you don't always get to run right into it. There's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some battles that you may have to go through to get to where God has, is already ordered for you to be there. But God is big on making sure that we are ready. 
that we are truly ready, not not on the outside, not not looking ready, because if you look at everybody that was at the battle, they were all supposedly ready. But nobody, nobody, no one went went out on the battlefield to face Goliath. So David, of course, we're not going to stretch this out very long, but David hears the taunt of Goliath. And that's like, that was like his starter's pistol. Just like when the race started, bang. David was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, he is at the battle. He hears the taunt. And then David is like, is there not a cause? Verse The verse prior to that, verse 24, going into 25, he says, is there not a cause? The question was, this question was the game changer for David. It was the game changer. It was the starter pistol. It was the thing that made David step into action. But he wasn't trying to get into, just get into something just for the sake of doing it, as his brother suggested. You know, come down and see a fight. David didn't come to see a fight. He is the most unlikely, but David came to fight. He didn't just come to get into something. David took up the cause of God. He took up the cause of Christ, which is where we find ourselves. David, when he's talking to trying to find out what the reward would be, and his brother is standing there, the scripture says in verse 30 that he turned away from his brother. Sometimes you have to turn a deaf ear to those that would taunt you, to those that would try to scold you, but he's scolding him for something that he is not even prepared to do. Wait for the direction. Wait for the instruction of God. Don't move hastily, but when you move, don't let no one distract you from moving to where God has you to go. Listen, God is not interested in putting you on display just to make uh, to make you look bad because see his namesake, he does things for his namesake. So if God puts you in a test, if he puts you in a trial, if he puts you in something that's designed to build your character, he's got you. He's got you. So David turns away from his brother. Um, and there are those who would try to probably accuse you of why you are where you are. So he is accusing David of being in a place where he shouldn't be when he's in the place that he's supposed to be, but his brothers or none of the other men of battle are going out to face Goliath. Sometimes God will use the most unlikely person, and that may be someone under the sound of my voice. It's not always your credentials. It's not how many diplomas you got or how many many degrees you have. It's not... You know, I got a certification in this and I did da, 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 da. all of that will amount. Now, if you look at it, these men are trained to fight. But who's fighting? Who's going to face Goliath? So he turns away from his brother and he starts to focus on why he's there now. Is there not a cause They themselves were afraid and shaking in their boots, not able to answer the call or better yet, the calls, not even recognizing it. So look at this. David is anointed to be king. Now David is at a battle getting ready to fight Goliath. David has to speak 
to Saul, the current king. He has to speak to the current king. David turns to Saul and he says to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go down and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go down against this Philistine to fight with him for you're but a youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, now this is the clincher. And I'm going to close with this. This is the clincher. You know what's going to make you qualified to do what God has called you to do? You know what's going to do it? It's not going to be the things that you think qualify you. It's not going to be any of those things that you have on your resume. Those things that you highlight to draw attention to. It's not going to be that. It's going to be your availability to God. It's going to be your willingness to take up, to take up. I like that, Barfield. Get rid of the Iliabs. You got to. You got to get rid of those people that are bumping their gums, not saying they're saying a whole lot of words, but they're not saying anything. So you've got to be determined that I'm going to take up the cause of Christ. But, you know, the clincher is it's not so much what you've done, but it's what God has done with you. The one thing that qualified David on this battlefield, the one thing that qualified him, it wasn't that he had studied to be a a warrior. It wasn't that he was a fighter. It was none of those things. David's testimony. I submit to you that what you are going through and where you are right now and and these last 14 to 15 months that we have come through, God has done some things in you and through you. It's going to be that testimony that's going to usher you into or onto the battlefield to fight for God. It's not going to be in the scripture says it's not me, but it's Christ that lives in me. It's him. It's God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's going to get the glory. He just needs you to be the vessel. So David shows up. And the thing that he tells them that qualifies him to go out on the battlefield to face Goliath is the one thing that nobody else can give you. And that's your testimony. That's your experience. You can talk about what God has done for somebody else, but unless you have gotten to know God, and I know that's probably not proper English, but unless you get to know God for yourself, you're not ready. You get ready in yielding yourself and saying, God, I'm available to you to use me for your glory. That's the thing that caused David. That was the startle pistol for him. When he offended God, In David's mind, when he talked against Israel, the armies of God, you're talking against the armies of the living God. David took offense and he took up the cause. What's going to move you into place? What is your starter's pistol? What do you have to see? What do you have to experience? Now, God's not going to just put you through changes just for giggles. He's not going to do it. God has a meticulous, that word just keeps coming up. He is meticulous in what he does. His planning will blow your mind. God, how many of you have ever been in a situation where God orchestrated circumstances to help you and you had no idea that he was working in the background? He brought it all together. I'm going to say two more things and I'm going to wind this up. 
David gives his testimony. He doesn't, he doesn't run down a resume of, of all the qualifications that he has. He doesn't do that. He says, I was watching those little sheep. He goes back to the time that he spent when nobody else was looking at him. Nobody else was there to pat him on the back. Nobody else was there to say, good job, David. It, even being a shepherd wasn't a popular thing. And, and some of them looked at it as being a, uh, minuscule job, something that you would not want to do. It was offensive to some that you were even a shepherd. So don't let others offense at what God is doing with you. Don't let them there take offense to what God is doing, negate what he's doing in you. Hold to your testimony. He says, David gives his testimony when, when Saul asked him, why are you, why do you think you're qualified to go out here and fight? David says, I went, I was watching those sheep and a bear and a lion came. David said, I went and I attacked the lion and the bear and, and rescued the sheep. Somebody might say that don't, that don't mean too much or anything, but it was the experience because David knew that it was the power of God that was on him. Now you remember when David was anointed to be king, the spirit of God came on him. So when the spirit of God comes on you, it comes on you for a purpose. It's not just to be there just to make you feel good. The spirit of God comes on us for a purpose. So when David is anointed, the spirit of God comes on him. But now you have to walk through this. So David had to walk through. So he had to experience the lion and the bear so that he could stand on that day and say, this Philistine is no different. If he delivered me from the paw of the bear, the paw of the lion, then he can truly deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He was not uh, blind to what he saw. David saw him just as well as anybody else. But David was prepared. He was ready. And before David faced him, David went by, he took off the armor and I'm just going to cut through it. He took off the armor of Saul because he hadn't tested. He said, I can't do this. I can't use this because I haven't tested these things. I haven't, it was weighing me down. Don't let anybody weigh you down trying to make you responsible to use something or do it the way they think it should be done. Let God use you authentically as yourself. And he picks up five, five smooth stones. Five denotes grace. It denotes grace. So David is now walking in the grace of God. And the scripture says God is able to make his grace abound toward us that we will have sufficiency in all things. How many stones did David use to kill or to wound Goliath? He used only one. That is, he had four left, more than sufficient to get the job done. He has more than he needs. So out of the brook, he got that and he, he used his shepherd's back, his sling. He didn't, only time David picked up a sword, grace is going to, grace, and let me tell you this, grace is more than just a lucky shot. It's not beginner's luck. You have to be authentically you and let God does what he does best. Let him do what he does best. David walked in the grace of God, took up the cause of God, and when he hit Goliath with that stone, it wasn't a lucky shot. It wasn't a lucky shot. God doesn't deal with luck. But he wounded him. He smote him, but that didn't kill Goliath. 
But David, his testimony was, I'm going to take your head off. When you walk where God would have you to walk, there comes a boldness that comes along with the assignment that God gives you. So you be authentically you and let God be God. Let God be God. Are you ready? On your mark, get set. Let's go. God bless you.